You're listening to the digest version of the Hutton Orbital News broadcast. The full broadcast can be listened to on iTunes or by visiting media.forthemug.com. We hope you enjoy this shorter broadcast. In the empty halls of Hutton Orbital, a lonely-looking robot plods slowly down a corridor. Here I am, brain the size of a planet, and they use me to carry the script up to the studio. I mean, it's not as if I've not got better things to do. As he plods along, the station announcer pipes up with yet another warning. This is a station-wide warning. Due to infrastructure failure, please avoid using the hand dryers on level two. Anyone with radiation burns, please report to Nurse Wyeth. They think they've got problems. Imagine being me. Oh, it's so depressing. Here I am, capable of a billion thoughts a second. It gives me a headache just trying to think down to their level. All commanders are reminded panic buying of Centauri Megagin will not be tolerated. Please use the hand sanitizers provided. Next thing you know, they'll be drinking the stuff. I mean, I wouldn't even use it to polish my enormous brain casing. It gives me a terrible pain in the diodes down my right side, even thinking about it. Will Alvin the android please hurry up? Studio 5 needs a script. Oh, woe betide any one of them actually writes this stuff in advance and emails it up to the studio. But no, it's, Alvin, would you mind walking this upstairs at the last minute? Bad enough that I get confused for the dog, but being treated like a dog's body, with my intellect, it's so degrading. My co-processor aches. I'm so depressed. As Alvin the robot enters the lift up to the studio, he looks at the buttons and prods number 42. Thank you, sir. Level 42 it is. Have a nice day. Oh, there's no need to be so cheerful. As the lift lurches into action, a voice comes over the loudspeaker. Our mics are live! Oh, that's just great. They're on time. Whoop-dee-doo. I bet I'm going to be in trouble now. It's so depressing. Evening, everyone from Studio 5. I'm your host, Dick Chafing, and despite the infrastructure failure, we've cobbled together a broadcast deck, some new chairs, someone stole all the other ones, and have wiped down all the surfaces in case panic buying is infectious and we all catch a nasty case. I'm Rudolf Hacker, and I've definitely not bought all the bug rolls. I'm far too sensible for all this nonsense. Besides, my quarters are fitted with a bidet. 
I bought all the chocolate bars in the shop, but th that's normal, right? I've disinfected Lou thoroughly, just to make sure. I keep slipping off my chair because I... Whoops! Us Antarctic explorers just use whatever comes to hand. And now, on with the news. And we'll start it off with a big noise like this. No toilet rolls at the orbital. All our shelves are bare. The wheels on the SRV go round and round. Don't worry, be happy. The galaxy feels just a little bit smaller today. We're all getting out of touch. We're getting ready for our close-up. Atrus5060 has far too much time on his hands. Lou has been trying to fade into the background. And Norma's been sticking her nose into what's been going on. First tonight, panic at the orbital as Hutton is struck down by an infrastructure failure. With the frequency of visits by pilots arriving at our orbital hunting for a full hold of hot mugs and the odd bottle of Megagen, it was inevitable that one of them might bring something nasty with them. With pilots arriving at Hutton having spent months and in some cases years out exploring, catching all manner of nasty space lurgy, the IXI and Operation Ida pilots regularly getting covered in suspicious looking green goo, and of course the propensity of Imperial types to not wash their hands properly after the last orgy. The decontamination rooms at arrivals has been working over time. Unfortunately, it appears that someone managed to accidentally change the bulbs in the ultraviolet bug zapper for the ones from the Hutton Disco, meaning that instead of a thorough decontamination, most of the pilots got a dose of Saturday Night Fever. As a result, upon their first shower, various contaminants made their way into the filtration systems, overloading them and bringing everything crashing down around our ears. The food pellet processing auto vending machine started making everyone to everything taste like kale. The soup dispenser had a spelling error and everyone started frothing at the mouth. The mug making machine decided that it was a student of Salvador Dali and stuck handles in every which way and of course the automatic gin distillery moved the decimal point and the resulting fluid ate its way through the bulkhead. The effect of this is a temporary pause in the hot mess while Hutton fixes the hot mess on its very own doorstep. Mugs will be available soon, but values of soon vary from soon to soonish depending on how many people help out. Or even soon! Alvin has put out an emergency beacon asking for support for Hutton stations in Alpha Centauri, bringing in new machines and of course plenty of food because on one in their right mind no one in their right mind wants to eat kale. <laughs> <laughs>
Not content with running the galaxy and turning a blind eye to the dastardly Don's evil DNA vivisection on Jurassic World, his menagerie on Planet Zoo, and his torture park on Planet Coaster in his secret system somewhere in the bubble, the Pilots' Federation are turning their hand to a new venture. Barney Ecclescake, media mogul and famously rich former Imperial, has undertaken to start a galactic Grand Prix management empire. Modelled on a buckyboarder race base and featuring all the latest in crowd-pleasing noises, dangerous-looking crashes, driver tantrums and, of course, weekly controversies about who has been cheating the rules by adding jumponium to their fuel, he has been hawking the broadcast rights to every media outlet in the galaxy. Of course, with the only official media outlet, Galnet, being totally AWOL, he wasn't offered very much, though Lave Radio are said to have looked down the studio's sofa and found a couple of credits and a part sucked Werther's original. We'll be keeping a close eye on the developments of this new racing formula and are taking bets as to whether it will feature famous two-part music masterpiece The Chain somewhere in the opening credits. We all know of daredevils that pride themselves in exiting supercruise at the last possible moment. They regale us with tales of actually exiting beyond the back wall of a station or beneath the surface of a planet. Well, on Sunday, Commander Gwulfsuk, also known as Seawolf X UK, discovered that it is possible to exit Supercruise too late, and yet not late enough, as he found his ship entering normal space actually within an object that made up part of the station. And he couldn't move! Mass locked. He couldn't re-enter Supercruise, and despite incredibly useful advice such as lower your landing gear, buy a new paint job, and get yourself a new anaconda at Hutton Orbital, he was resigned to having to self-destruct when a, a final, and this time useful, piece of advice was offered. Do nothing, just sleep on it. Returning to his ship a few hours later, he found that the station had spat him out, and he was once again free. And the moral of this story is, as said by the author Marty Rubin, struggle is less effective than doing nothing. Around 15 months ago, the boffins at ADSM, you didn't think that Canon had a monopoly, did you? Said that we had discovered 0.007639% of the galaxy and would take 45,447 years, 5 months and 11 days to discover it entirely. Commander I, as he has done regularly over the years, pointed out that we've overtaken that figure. As of yesterday, we've discovered 0.012432% of the galaxy and at this rate, it will now take 37,967 years, 3 months, 17 days to discover it entirely. That may seem like still a heck of a long time, but in those 15 months, we've reduced the estimated time by nearly 7,500 years. That kind of acceleration could see the process finish in five years. No, of course the mass doesn't work like that, but it's nice to think, eh? Of course, none of you are out exploring at the moment, are you? Surely you're all taking part in Operation Hot Mess. As Outbreak reaches as far as Colonia, 
The galaxy proves that it is justifiably called dangerous, and passenger ships become even less popular as a mode of transport than travelling with Nocti when he's checking if no brakes is just a metaphor. We need to find new ways to safely greet each other. Gone are the traditional ways for pilots to acknowledge that they're in the presence of a fellow waggler of the stick, or a presser of buttons on the joypad. No more rubbing noses, touching the feet of elders, hugging, even with the permission of the huggy, fist bumping without you both wearing gloves, or kissing the ring, either one, and handshakes are right out. Scientists have concluded that the best and least likely ways to give you a nasty case of mods when greeting someone is to firstly make sure you start at least five metres apart. The same distance as we crew members of the Aurora Australis give to non-breeding seals. Holding up a sign that says hello, as if you're waiting for a passenger at a spaceport, is all well and good, but it doesn't allow for very much in the way of variety. We love a bit of discipline as much as the next man, uh, or woman, or non-binary, or non-human, or other, but we do like to crack the whip and find other ways to get to know our fellow creatures. With that in mind, this is the Hutton Orbital Guide to the top 10 best ways to greet other commanders. Why not give some of these a try at the next ECM? At number 10, sticking out your tongue. This goes down a treat in cold, mountainous countries where it should take far too long to disrobe enough to use any other part of your body and has the added advantage that the other person can check to see if you have any signs of infection. Number nine, the air kiss. The moi moi, so popular with artistic types, works very well as long as there's at least two or three metres between you. If in doubt, stand in separate rooms for this. 8. Bowing. An obvious one, there's no physical contact, and is either intended to show deep respect or a non-too-subtle indication of, look at my shoes. Do make sure that before bowing you perform a quick piece of mathematics to check that the distance between you is at least the sum of the two upper bodies in question to avoid adding concussion to the list of ailments you may acquire. Number 7. Demolition Man High Five. For those of you that have not seen the vidcast, it's the same as a regular high five, except that you stand a distance apart and wave the palms of your hands around in opposite directions. Effective, but it looks stupid. Number 8. The Vulcan Salute. Beloved of many and hated by people who can't make their fingers go that way without the use of elastic bands. Sorry, Harry. Number seven, for people that you dislike, or for friends who enjoy a bit of banter, why not use the two-finger salute, incorrectly attributed to the English bowman at Agincourt and secretly used by Winston Churchill behind the cigar. Number six, the haka. Intended to intimidate their enemies and created in a land that's only 2,500 kilometers from the home of the Aurora Australis. Yes, it's the second time we've used their name in this item, but apparently, since we have a special guest, we have to take every opportunity to bring this up. This is similar to the number 10 entry, sticking out your tongue, 
But this is an advanced version involving squatting as if you need to release an enormous fart, slapping your thighs, and then moving about a bit. Oh, and you need to be prepared to play with odd-shaped balls. At number five, why not follow the example of Lord Melchit, who's recently joined the truckers? Stand still and say, Bah! in a loud voice. Number four, thump your chest with both hands, screech in an unintelligible manner, and optionally, throw feces round the room. This is known as the Simoth Method. Number three, Imperial Salute. Beloved of Imperials who slap their chest to cover the sound of a fart, and then they throw their hand out in a salute crying, Better out than in! Number two, Waving. Who doesn't like a good wave? This can be used to convey emotion at the same time. From you who wave all the way up to I see you but don't come any closer because then I'll be forced to leave the room. The wave can be used at any occasion. But number one, the scientist's choice, the most popular and in our opinion, the very best way to greet another commander is the good old traditional 07 salute. Lift that hand, but remember not to touch your face as you say, Greetings, Commander. There are rumours of massed broadcast activity some 1600 light years from the bubble, as the Gorgon Research Facility in NGC 7822 Sector BQ-YD12, I love how they name these planets, has become a hive of activity in recent weeks. The Robotics and 3D Hollow Me Nearly Live Action Acting Division of Fantastic Broadcast Group, part of the Fantastic Everything Group, is preparing to launch the movie adaptation of its popular board game, The Gorgon's Lock. Reportedly starring Zamina Torval lookalike Dame Judi Dench, the 50th, as The Gorgon, the, Al Hollow Me, the, sorry, the AI Hollow Me of Arnold the Governator Schwarzenegger as our hero, he's back apparently, just as promised, the Humber as the Loch, and our very own Commander Wotherspoon as the exciting-sounding movie trailer voiceover it promises to be this season's blockbuster movie. The Gorgon Research Facility was chosen as the site for this film studio and soundstage as it was marginally nearer than Hull, where the original game and accompanying book series were made. Rumours of cameos from a variety of well-known galactic superstars, including David Brubin of Barnard Star as an ogre, Yamix as a troll, and Harry Potter as himself, are unconfirmed as of yet, but a variety of pirates of all shapes and sizes have been hired as the chorus line. We wish the chief executive, director, producer, writer, script supervisor, first AD, second AD, grip, runner, and best boy, Mr. Grub, all the best in his latest venture. Evening truckers, Aegis5060 here. Or rather I'm not, because I parked at Hutton and then everything went wrong. I mean, Sarg uses all those nasty weapons to take everything offline, and it, all it took was docking at the orbital and it all went a bit, a bit wrong. So, all I'm going to say is, for the mug, and has anyone got a toolkit handy? Anyone? Anyone? There's really only one thing to do with the BGF this week. 
Clear the infrastructure failure in Alpha Centauri. We can't buy mugs without it. Any items from the machinery or foods category should help. Machinery so we can fix stuff. And food to feed the workforce who are fixing stuff. As usual, Colonia was feeling left out and has decided to copy their betters in the bubble by having their own infrastructure failure in tier. Instructions as above. Apart from that, just the usual stuff in both the bubble and Colonia. The BGS is way too stable nowadays. Over to Norma. One diary item has been brought to our attention this week. It looks like a good one. Palcon would like to ask the Super Truckers to one of our open events. It's part of our Paladin games where the different houses fight against each other for glory. But we decided to open it to other factions. The more the better. Announcing the next Paladin Games event, Assassin, open to everyone on Friday the 13th, Big Papa's Base and Hirimi, 19 GMT, sign up here at http colon slash slash tiny dot cc slash kill. That sounds romantic, fighting for honour and glory. No chance of getting loot to do anything like that. Last time I asked Lou if he'd fight for my honour, he said he'd rather fight for the French at the Battle of Agincourt, because that was lost much more recently. Flossie will tell you about the progress of Operation Hot Mess later, but this week's memorable stations are Old Hangar and Young Terminal in the Gerda system, Beer Dock and Digiwang, which Commander Infant Dreamer says is Little Willie's home station. On to more important community news and a subject that is dear to Flossie's heart. The Fuel Rats have just completed their 70,000th rescue. Yes, 70000 rescues. More rescues than mugs being delivered in Operation Hot Mess. Over 96% of all attempted rescues were successful. All Fuel Rat rescues are worth celebrating. But because of an accident of timing that will be of interest to numerologists, the rats involved in the 70,000th rescue were Revenov and Darth Teal. God, that was... Sorry. This week's CCCG News, and it's week nine of Hot Mess, which starts today. As you know, it's been a difficult week for Hot Mess, as pilots who used up their hold full of mugs were unable to get any more, unless donated by a generous friend, as there were no more to be had at Hutton for the present. With that in mind, here's this week's station report. 
Despite the problems, we're still making excellent progress. We are more than 76% complete, with more than 42,000 stations complete, and just over 15,000 systems totally mods-free. We have two more commanders who have each delivered more than 1,000 mugs. LDSK and Vulture P have broken this barrier, joining Doc Jack, Montgomery Python, Alter Ego and Time Raider, NEMB, Comet Born, and sitting on exactly a thousand where he's stubbornly remained for the last few weeks is Vince Wynn Cymru. We now have 292 commanders who have signed up and we're running at an average of over 145 mugs per pilot. Undeterred by supply problems, that average has still risen once more. He's hoping that supply problems from Hutton are resolved soon so we can look forward to a bumper week of mugging. That's all from me this week. Bye! Flossie told you what to do Wow, thank you Flossie. Sorry guys, yeah you can hear me tapping but I'm, I'm, I kind of mute myself going out. Uh, right, uh, our next tune, tune number two, is um, by the... No, we'll skip that one. We're going to go to song number three, but that's fine. It's called the same as song number two. Uh, it's The End of the World uh, by The Carpenters, and we will go straight into Galnet and another one of their powerful people reports straight afterwards. So stick around. Powerful People Encyclopedia Galactica presents biographies of notable people in the galaxy. This week, Pranav Antal. What job would be right for the talented mystical child of a mystical commune leader when that leader passes to the other side? If you're thinking commune leader, then you'd be absolutely right. Being the all-powerful leader of a mystical sect is the sort of occupation that tends to run in the family. So when Simguru Rishi Antal popped his clogs, his son and Simguru-in-waiting Pranav was right there with the Sim crown, ready to settle comfortably into the Sim throne. The Utopian Commune, which was founded by the deceased but not forgotten Simguru Rishi, is a high-tech affair where computers and technology are taken very seriously, as is the accumulated wisdom of present and past Commune members. The reason Simguru Rishi is not forgotten is that a complete replica of his brain, his knowledge, his thoughts, experiences and emotions have been uploaded to the crowning achievement of the utopian commune, the Sim Archive. So you can pop along to the Sim Library and have a chat with the disembodied essence of ex-Simguru Rishi anytime you like. In fact, you can do the same for any other member of the commune, alive or dead, because they're all uploaded into the matrix of computers that make up the Sim Archive. And it's for this reason that utopians remain unperturbed by the advance of the Thargoids. At the height of the invasion, Simguru Pranav explained that should humanity cease to exist as a consequence of being totally exterminated by eight tentacled alien monsters, it would be just fine, because digital versions of humanity would continue to live on in the good old Sim Archive. 
it doesn't appear to have occurred to them that the Thargoids, having destroyed flesh and blood humanity, would be unlikely to respect the quiet please signs in the Sim library, and might even contemplate using it for a bit of Sim target practice, and this might cause the rows of heads in jars some level of disruption. The commune develops new technologies and guards their secrets jealously. When the formula for the miraculous wonder drug known as Nanomeds was reverse-engineered from samples found in a crashed freighter, Simguru Pranav was not delighted in the slightest about the prospect of non-utopians being saved from illness. Instead, he demanded the return of his intellectual property, making it quite clear that he was not even slightly interested in a licensing deal. He is, however, keen to welcome new converts to the commune for which the only entry criteria are believing Simguru Pranav to be a powerful demigod and giving him lots of money. And shaving your head. That bit's important, because unless everyone does that, Baldy Pranav feels a bit self-conscious. Utopia believes in achieving prosperity through developing what it describes as ethically aligned technology, even if it doesn't always like sharing that technology. An excellent example of its ethical technology is the Enforcer Cannon, an ethical weapon that helps save the environment by firing slower but making every round count. The commander of any ships attacked by Utopian vessels are invited to mail in the spent cannon rounds to allow them to be recycled. Pranavantal was once believed to have magical political powers, allowing him to expand Utopia into neighbouring star systems just by smiling enigmatically and winning the hearts of the voters. However, the miraculous expansion into the Sokin system has not been repeated. The magical, magnetic personality of mystical mindman Antal Jr. may not be quite that magical after all. Tune in next week for another of the galaxy's powerful people. That was um, very good. Thank you very much. An interesting person indeed. Really quite, yeah, digital libraries love that. I'm sure that was a Doctor Who story. I think I'm sure that's a, a staple of uh, science fiction, isn't it, to have a digital versions of ourselves? Yes, yes. He's a weird old bloke, is Mr. Utopia. Yeah, well... <laughs> well, we'll see what, uh, see what uh, the, the lore has to give us in the coming updates, um, if anything at all. Right, OK, so it is time to regale all you mother truckers out there, and you know who I mean, that have gone the extra mile to push themselves past the limits and beat everybody in our top trucker, but we'll just have to hand that one over to uh, our dear good pal Buck, if he's still with us. Yep, I'm here. And fantastic. Well then, it is time to hand over to Buck for this week's Top Trucker Report. Now you're a trucker, all you gotta do 
trucker If you can't turn a profit Then you're out of luck It's for the mother That we fly all over the space Point to two lightnings Crossed at a hill of a base Just turn the wheel And keep that smile on your face Maybe someday soon you'll be a top trucker Well howdy there y'all This here's Buck Naked Spokesman for Lacon Spaceways Back again for this week's Hunting Top Trucker How do we keep up with your shenanigans While you tootle around in the Milky Way? Why... We install this little piece of software called the Hutton Helper in your spaceship. If you ain't already got it installed, you can install it yourself, relatively pain-free, by going to the website hot.forthemug.com. Almost as pain-free as... Nah, it's easier to install than listen to all this BS in the media nowadays. Just when you wish you could read some Galnet news, you're forced to CNN, The Guardian, and so on. So anyway, let's get on to our top truckers this week. Yeehaw! From the Explorers, jumping around like them noisy crickets in the field. In second place is Commander Alex's rider with over 55,000 light years jumped. Our first place says... This ain't an important stat, so we're not mentioning him. But sometimes, you know, y'all just gotta bury a body on the other side of the galaxy. Commander ATIC 2 kept hold of the trigger this week, turning the despicably dirty do batter Don Antonacci and his band of pathetic pirates into space dust. He racked up almost 59.2 million credits worth of bounties while tearing the engines out of each and every one of the Don ships for the third week in a row. Running mission like no other, Commander Texas Stew racked in 598 mission points this week. Glad to see you back there, y'all glute. Loading up the new trailer attachment to the rear of a Lacon Type 9 and filling it to the brim, Commander Mouse Holbrook hauled about 45,000 tons of cargo around the galaxy and consumed a bit too much coffee in the process. Keeping control of the Hutton high-speed rail this week, Commander Kremens Respite delivered 1,866 passengers around the galaxy and earned a five-star rating from every single one of them. Our fastest run to Hutton Orbital is held by Commander Brett Riverboat in one hour, 22 minutes, and 31 seconds. But the fastest run to Hutton in this month of March is held by Commander Doc Jack in 1 hour, 22 minutes, and 49 seconds. If y'all think you got what it takes to beat these scores, then download the Hutton Helper and get to flying. You want to hear your name on this here radio station? Make sure you got the Hutton Helper installed. Pick it up on the web at hot.forthemug.com and get to trucking. And don't forget, if you do hear your name called out and you ain't already got one, Get in touch with us to get your very own Hutton decal for your ship. Hutton Top Trucker, brought to you by Lacon Spaceways. 
Only ships in the galaxy with a free Corona beer in the glove box. For the, For the mug. mug. For the mug. Right.